0: This episode of The Cutting Room is brought to you by Blackmagic Design. The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve 8 from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layer timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve 8 is available for $995. Current users can download the update for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagic-design.com.
1: What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing?
0: Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. And in this episode, we have part two of our Canadian Cinema Editor sound panel. And just yesterday I was on the, on that post show, it was pointed out to me that the last episode had a few smash cuts in them. The reason is, is that there's a few things that are said that wouldn't be too kosher with other people in the industry, so I removed them. That said, had you been there live, you would have seen them. And also, Lauren again isn't with me, and it's, she's got a terrible cold. So you can send her some sympathy wishes at, at our guillotine. If you haven't already, make sure to go download our AOTG app in the a- iTunes app store. It's available for the iPhone or the iPad. And also, if you have a moment, make sure to rate this podcast in iTunes. So if you go to iTunes, you can actually just choose you know 1 to 5 stars and write a little message. And we'll, what we'll do is we'll go through and we'll pull those messages and read them on the air for you guys. But in the meantime, please enjoy panel.
2: That's actually a good segue because we'll turn it over to Jill. And Jill, why don't you tell us then, what are you doing at this point? So we've possibly had a spotting session or perhaps you're in the middle of a technical dialogue eval. What are, what are you up to at this point?
1: Um, okay, so after the Sam gets turned over to me in, in the dialogue sense, I basically go through on my own and, like Jane said, do a technical evaluation. So anything that's not um, intelligible or whatever, I'll go in and see if there's an alternate take uh, that can be found and possibly put in its place, or um, I'll script it uh, to be looped. And and then I would incorporate um, any ad lines or performance changes that in notes say that we maybe get from a director-producer before an actual spotting session where everybody's sitting there involved in it, and uh, take it from there. Um, What
3: else? And and those ad lines, a lot of times, again, my job would be, as we're going through it, in the case of the first scene here, um, we decided afterwards that we needed something in the middle of the scene. So we'll write something while we're in the edit suite with the director, and it'll just be typed up on the screen. Uh, And then you'll get a a list, a locator list of all of the uh, new lines that we've added afterwards. Sometimes it's our voices going in there to uh, play it for length. Um, yeah,
1: Yeah. so then a script gets created that incorporates all of the technical issues and the ad lines, performance changes, everything that may be subtitled on the screen or put in into the guide track as a, as a temp uh, version for an actor. And then um, we just break it down by character and address any concerns and uh, take that into the studio.
2: And that ADR list never changes through the rest of post-production, yeah. right?
1: Never, ever. <laughs> we'll address that later
2: so Mark, uh, Jill is in her cutting room and she's doing her thing dialogue and ADR wise as a sound effects editor, sound effects designer what are you doing at this point getting the, the process started why thank you Steve <laughs> may
4: I just say you have a very sort of Dick Cavett-esque approach to moderation I've <laughs> noticed
2: this, this is <laughs> going to go on all night isn't it, it? it is later years
4: <laughs> <laughs> you've got the understanding head nod down to a science Okay, so Dave. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um so we're we're at the point you are know, to turn turn over to pic- picture is is at the point where they're comfortable turning over to sound. Jill's doing her thing. Um yeah, I mean as as Jane was saying, um when it comes to my primary role in a film is a, a sound effects editor or sound designer as we're sometimes called. Um the The first part of the process is a, is a spotting session as Jane was saying with the with the director producer creatives um, so a spotting session is not only to get to get input from them to give your input but to but to also um, uh, for a chance for you to come up with your what your vision as an individual might be um, even if it doesn't necessarily agree to everyone else's because you will have your chance to present your ideas um, eventually down the line um, so, uh, yeah, the spot is really the set. It's an exchange of an ideas. The the more people who can be there uh, who are involved in the creative process, from the picture editor or the dialogue editor, I mean, often you have a supervising sound editor, you have another sound effects editor, you have a music editor, you have the mixers, of course. Um, in the feature film world, it's it's sometimes it's more likely that you'll have all those people involved. In the television world, as Jane already said, um, they're very different animals, um, so they're handled quite differently. Um, the first thing that uh, I would do as a sound effects editor, uh, once the spotting session is done and everyone's discussed what their overall feeling is for the, for the film or the program and the, the individual ideas for specific scenes, is very much to go through the editor's track. I mean, the editor, it's very common now, um, as Michael was saying, for the editors to do a very, uh, you know, almost a very, very covered, uh, complete track as far as uh, sound effects go. Um, with with sound effects, I mean, uh, I'm sure you're aware um, that there are several layers to, you know, creating sound effects. You have backgrounds, specifics, Foley, um, sound design type elements. I mean, often you have more than one sound effects editor working on in, in different areas. Um, in television, you generally have one sound effects editor who's just doing, sort of running the gamut, doing everything. In features, it's more likely that you may be dividing up by reels or or by somebody just working on background, somebody else working on sound design it 's a very different animal It all depends on the people you 're working with, the time constraints you have, and so forth um, it 's kind of the supervising sound editor 's job to keep all that in line and keep it organized and and keep the show moving forward with a with a common theme but um, yeah, long story short, too late, I know but um, to uh, the initial pro- process is, is, in fact, doing that spotting session, uh, getting the tracks from the picture editor, and, and then planning your course of attack from there.
2: Why didn't you just say that in the first place? Because
4: um, it would have been done in a few seconds. And you told me we were, we were trying to kill time, right? Wasn't that the...
2: <laughs> no, I said we were trying to kill you. Oh, um, sorry. <clears throat> So, uh, everyone's been cutting uh, madly away. This is the beginning of the cutting process. People have been cutting away madly. They do so for... In the, in the world of television, they may cut for a couple of days. In the world of feature films, they may be cutting for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Uh, eventually things arrive at the doorstep of of Mr. Foster, our resident re-recording mixer, resident for the night anyway, re-recording mixer. What do we do uh, when we come to mixing,
5: Mr. Foster? I knew I'd have to follow Mark. Um, uh, well... um I think the spotting session is um, key. So if I could just back up a little bit, because I do like going to the spotting session, especially on theatrical, because I get a good idea of, um, I guess, the vision of the producer and director. I have an idea of the soundscape that they're looking for so that when we're approaching the final mix, I might know what we're expecting, how crazy it might be. Also, I can uh, get an idea if the budget is realistic, how much time they want us to complete it. And uh, so that kind of helps us get a good overview of how things might be. So once the folks have finished their fine work, they uh, give us a whole pile of tracks, and we sit there and look at the session and go, how am I going to get all of this into the console? Uh, It just depends on the scope of uh, the project, like I said. So for television, um, you know, we would get uh, some tracks, uh, probably a a lesser cut um, that we would still need to pre-dub. So the sound effects uh, editor, dialogue editor, Sends us through Pro Tool session for the most part, and uh, with the dialogue we would uh, clean up the tracks, uh, clean up uh, the sync and production sound best we could. And uh, I guess in sound effects uh, pre-mixing or pre-dubbing, we do the panning, so we pre-pan a lot of work, do some reverb work, get that happening first so that in the final mix uh, we're not spending a lot of time trying to deal with a bunch of raw elements coming to the console. So really the pre-mix is uh, very important. And with budgets, uh, that's getting tougher all the time to uh, you know, try to emphasize how important that is to allow us to weed through the amount of tracks so that when we get to the final mix, um, we're in better shape and we can actually spend time listening um, and sitting back and hearing how all the elements are playing together rather than scrambling, trying to figure out what is coming from where. So I think the, pre, the pre-mix or pre-dub is uh, pretty key in um, getting us uh, kind of off the ground running. And then uh, we'll spend the time with producers and director and hopefully the picture editor on a theatrical. Because uh, as Jane said, I find picture editors really do, um, to play to everybody here, <laughs> or many of you, uh, have a good sense of the uh, arc of the film. And they're very good looking as well. Yes, picture g- editors. Yes. G- witty sense of humor? cost me $20. <laughs> he is kind of cute, actually. <laughs> I see him in the elevator a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so um, with the picture editor, as I was saying, I just find in the final mix that uh, they do have a good idea, having sat with the director for so long, um, uh, just how each scene uh, maybe should be approached. So I appreciate their company in the final mix, for sure, um, especially with theatrical... And away we go, putting all the tracks together and making our final mix.
2: It's it's a very good point to note that the picture editor and director have been living together for a long time at this point. Like they've been, they have had the advantage of being together in a typical scenario since day one of production. So there's a, a really great insight that the picture editor already has into the film. Um,
3: and, you know, tip to that point is to interrupt, but the, that relationship is a key one. And I know that I got hired to work on the Dead Series films, I think, less because of a resume that I had. But I went in and sat down in an interview, and part of what I was selling was the ability to sit alone in a room with a director for six months. And how are you know, you're going to get along?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's great to put that time frame on it because they've been together for six months. During the mix, we may be together for three weeks. Um, so it's really great if we've got that shorthand that's already there, that already exists, if if the picture editor can help us, help us get to the end, the finish line, if you will. Um, it's great insight to have. So I haven't been ignoring him because... Um, Dave Heyman as a music supervisor, his role actually can pop in and out of this of this timeline. Um, at different stages. So Dave, why don't you just, you know, let
6: us know where you're playing. Yeah, I mean, we're from the music end of things, so you can't trust us to stick to a schedule. So it's very important <laughs> that you leave us alone and allow us to pop in and out whenever we want. But it is true. Um, really, we are uh, we are there to pop in and out. We're definitely aware of mixing dates and whatnot. But I think our best work is done when uh, we have a good idea of the show. It's easy to do when you're in third season, like on Rookie Blue. Um, more difficult when you're starting off a show to get an idea of the characters, but to provide the uh, the the post department a, a whole whack of music that is pre um, sort of cleared and approved for use in the show that they can then uh, dip into and uh, use instead of radiohead rolling stones acdc and all the the big stuff that will and we'll talk about it later but um, get them deep into temple of um so we try and battle that and be proactive right off the bat so often um if the editor and i and i are in tune with each other and and he's using those batches he or she's using those batches then we're able to skip the uh the spotting session and whatnot, because everything's copacetic, everything's good. Those are the, some of our favorite songs, and we can afford them. the The director and the editor like them. Um, I like to believe that sometimes those um, those songs are used as tent poles when they're editing. You know, to to kind of anchor, let's say, your your final scene or your opening scene of a television show or your big. Um, you know, aha moment in a film. I mean, those, I, I like to believe, are put in and uh, scenes are cut around them sometimes. Uh, sometimes they are big songs and we will go in and fix it. Um, I, I like to be at all the spotting sessions kind of, so I can be aware of, even if they are fully approved songs and songs that I chose and, and found to be hip, um, that they're working in the en- entire arc of the show and the season. Um, and uh, often I'm, I'm in there to, kind of beat down the temple of that they have for certain songs and and offer them things that they can do in lieu of, you know, an expensive song often different directions um, so much of uh, storytelling is is especially in television, is put on the backs of songs near the ends of the shows and a lot of times at the openings. Um, so it gets very specific and, and so I do feel there's a ton of value to be in there, uh, in the room with them during the spotting session to kind of get the vibe, get the intentions of what they're going for, um, talk about you know, wh- who the characters are and why they'd be listening to this music. Um, but we are way less beholden to the schedule than anyone here because our product is what it is. You know, the songs are not going to change. Very, very um, few times do we get in and do a custom remix, although that's something I like to do, um, but often the song is that. We can sort of pick it at the last minute. Um, many times we can, we can send it to the mixing room with two options, uh, both pre-cleared, both ready to go, and they can make a decision at the last minute I think that's the mark of a good music supervisor is getting all the ducks in the row before that trigger is pulled, so that when the trigger is pulled, everything is just kosher. It just soars through. Um, otherwise, you're scrambling. So we would just like to reduce that scramblage, because you guys have enough to worry about.
2: Good, great notes. Um, we've already alluded, in some of the answers here, we've ar- already alluded to working beyond <clears throat> pardon me, the the linear approach Jane mentioned this right off the top where it used to be very much that picture editing would start, picture editing would end, and at that point is when sound editing would start and and so on. And and it went in a very linear fashion. And we're starting to hopefully overcome that. And Jane made some very good points about having sound editors involved at an earlier time. But I'd like to put it to the panel um, to ask you, are there any other um, more ideal workflow situations that you would like to get into, be it supplying stuff to, uh, supplying tracks to the editing room at an earlier stage, being involved at the script stage, um, as opposed to simply being hired in post production and whatnot. So I'll put it to the panel. I'm not looking for any one particular answer. Does anybody want to?
6: I'll start off. I mean, sure. If, if you aren't thinking about music in, you know, your first week of development, you're making a mistake. Um, you gotta, you know, for me. It's 50% of storytelling. Um, And uh, if you're not ready uh, to know what your budget parameters are and what you can achieve with your budget, um, then you're just heading down a bad road. Um, again, we're the we're the kind of last road in the project so, you know, the budgets dwindle, the importance of music is still there, though, and it still needs to be taken care of. So bringing us in on the, on the inception stage, the development stage, is, is key. I think it's essential and you can definitely tell the films that have gone over budget because of this or have failed in the music side because the music supervisor wasn't involved early. Uh, as much cohesiveness as possible, I think, is so key to making a good project.
3: And you're being more specific, though, about songs as opposed to composed sort of, yeah, music. Yeah, I, I, so I, I guess we should sort music. of
6: clarify. There are cues and there are songs. Um, the composer is uh, in charge of cues, and uh, those would be, you know, more or less instrumental pieces that uh, fill in the mood and the texture and the the sort of vibe of of the scene often do a little bit of storytelling as subtly as possible. Uh, A song is something that is either a source piece, so it comes from a radio or it comes from a speaker system at a party, uh, or it could be uh, full on, uh, I call it scores, Um, you know, when when source music acts as score and kind of tells a story. Um, fills in the emotional holes and and flows it through a lot of montage work and whatnot so those are songs and cues, And that's exactly how yeah. we did
3: Weirdsville. Um, yeah. that film was uh, the whole music score was in fact songs we right. scored it with songs Of course and there was a couple of little infill transition pieces but in a case like that it's we have access to maybe a hundred pre-cleared songs because mm. you're not sure Usually I'll give
6: you access to uh, a batch of music but what I do like and I think that is a big uh, shift in what we do is providing us with an assembly as early as possible, hopefully with a split track, so that we can actually pull those scenes and try all the other music that we didn't send you. um, Because I think that's so important. We can only get a general sense of the series by talking about it and uh, providing music. But once we see picture, you know, A, months have gone by, so things may be hotter, so to speak, hipper and hotter and cooler, and which is very important for television. And there may be things that I've I've gotten in the meantime uh, that are perfect for that scene. So I definitely like to take a stab at it. Um, I don't think most music supervisors do the editing. Well, we like to at least have something to present to the director to save you time, so you're not cutting in six different tracks, six different ways, we'll post that and you can pick it. and send you the final edited piece, plus the, the whole track, plus the instrumental, kind of make it as turnkey as possible. And
3: sometimes it can, comes
6: back to budget.
3: If there is someone of your capacity on board from the beginning, and we're able to give you that job to do, which is great, because it takes time to do that, I spend a lot of time putting music in, trying different songs.
6: So unnecessary, in my, in my opinion. That, that is what and a, and we a lot of times, it's because you're not there. That's right. So. Because the budget doesn't
3: dictate it, budget won't them. handle it, and the same with you know we'd love to have um, sound designers working ahead of time, but a producer might say they're not starting until you've locked the picture. You know they don't have the money to do it, and we'd I'd love to have uh, assemblies sent out there and have you guys go in and do it and bring it back because it's always going to be way better than what I can do. But the producers are saying, lock your picture, and then we're sending it out.
1: But keep asking, yeah. Yeah. No. You there's, there's, know.
2: There are intricacies on that on a number of levels, you know, both from yeah, you know, contractual, political levels, and we'll, we'll probably address that uh, a little bit later on. So, but there's, one of the key points here is obviously the fact that you're talking about collaboration between these two departments. Um, a little bit of back and forth. Um, uh, Mark, Jane, do you do you see a similar type in your ideal situation of a little bit of back and forth between sound and picture in that regard?
1: Yeah, Most definitely. The more back and forth, the better. I mean, sometimes it's a bit inconvenient because you're working on something else um, and uh, you get a call from a picture editor to go and look at something and they need some sound. But ultimately... Like once you're there, looking at it, you kind of get excited by it, and are, you know, you might provide some sound that they then use. And uh, even though you've now taken a few hours away from what you were doing, it's it's uh, it's work that pays off down the road. First of all, you got to see something. Second of all, um, they're going to use your sound in the scene, so. They're not using their sound library necessarily, which has got the same damn door close, yeah. door open. Please, door <laughs> please don't. Like, can I give you some different ones?
2: <laughs> we have a door prize tonight of 100 various door closes. <laughs> uh, Mark? Uh, uh,
4: yeah. I mean, along the lines of what Jane was saying, I think the the earlier we're involved in and being able to provide the, uh, the picture editor with sounds, even if it's a, a very early stages, even if it's a rough cut, it, it prevents the... Um, uh, editors often have a, a limited sound library, so I, in my experience, I've found you know, they've, they've you know downloaded the sound effect from Alien off of YouTube or something that they heard and liked and wanted to have in a scene, and, and then it gets in the cut, and everybody listens to it over and over and over again for so long, because they're working on it, and maybe it wasn't the perfect sound effect, and maybe it was low quality, and maybe they can't use it anyway because it's copyrighted, but everybody gets used to hearing it. And by the time you're getting to the mix, the producer, director, and so forth is like, oh, well, we want to have something just exactly like that. And they say, well, instead of doing that, if, if, we're in, if we're brought on the process a little earlier, we can supply you with maybe some new things or some other things you can try out in your cut and let everybody fall in love with that. And then you've got a, a new and original idea that you're carrying through to the end.
2: Which might not be perfect the first time. Like if you send something to it, it may not be exactly what it is or exactly what it's gonna be, but at least you've started that, again, that back and forth. exactly collaboration, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jill, what about you? What's happening ADR-wise?
1: I can extrapolate on that too, because lately more and more directors want the ADR in the Avid or whatever um, cutting system they're using to evaluate the performance and work their cut around the the new lines and that sort of thing, which is great from um, our perspective. And like Jane said, it gets, um, even though it cuts into your time, earlier on, it saves you time later on when you're on the mix stage and having to you know, sit there and have a director go, wait, I don't like that performance, even though they loved it when it was shot. And then it's like, let's try another take, no, let's try another take. And you've got to sit there and prep like 20 takes of something. In some cases, you know, more than that because they'll shoot 50 to 70 takes depending on the person. <laughs> and it's, so it's nice to be able to provide the ADR to the cutting room ahead of the mix so that they can get used to hearing um, get used to hearing the performances and like them and so when they're in the mix they're not surprised by what they're hearing or they're not listening to the production which can't be used that they're so in love with. So,
5: Mr. Foster, do we like this? Yes, we like it a lot when the mixing session doesn't become the editing session <laughs> which can happen because they're unfamiliar with the tracks. So um, to what everyone's saying, it's important to listen, evaluate and approve everything before the mix because then you're happy with what you have going in rather than being surprised and looking for something at the mixing studio hourly rate of trying to figure out which door close you really do like. So, it is a good idea to to just uh, interlock, as we might say, look at the sound edit against picture, Um, find out what you're happy with, discuss with the sound editor, things you're liking and not liking. Same with ADR, if you can pick your ADR takes before the mix uh, or the dialogue premix, that's also great because I don't have 50 tracks for all the alt reads and um, it'll just make the process a lot smoother. So it's all about early decision making, I think, that makes uh, that makes run much better. It can be a bit complicated because a lot of the times those decisions on ADR,
3: the actors are unavailable, the editor's gone, so you know, we have worked together where in fact we got all of the options and sat in the edit suite and picked them all before it went to the mix. But again, it's partly because those people I'm working with keep me around. They keep me around. through I'm there in many cases for the actual ADR recording. I'm there for the mix. Uh, it doesn't happen all that often, but it allows me to be able to take your tracks and go back into the edit suite and line them up and play them for the director and pick the ones that are going to be useful. But a lot of times editors aren't around anymore, and then you have to go after the post-production supervisor to make sure they get the director in to sit in on the session afterwards and make decisions beforehand, and that can be difficult to do. Yeah, if you
2: think it's hard to get a picture editor to sit down with you, try getting a director to sit down with you.
3: So yeah, the ideal world. Yeah, and we've had the ideal world many times, but a lot of times you're always scrambling and um, just making do with what options are available, not always the
5: best ones. Mark and I talked about this before because we had a little joke saying we could tell everyone here what the right way to do it is, but often that doesn't happen and you can try this, you can try that, you can explain to people this is how you think it should go and that's what we're kinda of here tonight to say this is how we think the best way of working is but uh... As Michael says sometimes uh, reality hits you in the face but it is good to know this is the right way to do things there is a proper way and a proper procedure I guess that makes it work out best
0: so that was the panel and because Lauren's not here we're not going to do a four-word film review. That's sort her of thing. Um, I try not to take it away from her. It's also the holidays. That would be mean. Of course, you can always get in touch with us. It's info at aotg.com or on Twitter at ArtGuillotine, or on Facebook facebookcom ArtGuillotine. Now, we would really like it if you could actually also vote for us on iTunes. So put in your your rating of what you think of us. Leave a little message. And when you do that, as long as it's coherent to not just attacking us for no apparent reason, and when you do that, we'll read it on the air. So please take your time, go to iTunes, and uh, fill in the review form. In the meantime, join me next week for the next part of our panel. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.